0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Good evening, good evening. If you turn to Genesis chapter number 19 this evening, Genesis chapter 19, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it always seems when I'm preaching that the service always goes by pastor. And I'm thinking, man, already? I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking, man, it's time for me to open up the word of God. But as Brother Tyler said this morning, I don't take it lightly. The opportunity that pastor gave me to be able to speak this evening. So I hope that I would be a blessing to you. I was uh, thinking about this message, thinking about this month, thinking about our young people, thinking about the world, and thinking about us as Christians and how we live in a world where there's all these things going on around, around us and we're being attacked and how to deal with the situation and how to handle it and how to, um, I don't want to use the word adapt, but how to stand firm on the word of God when, when things come our way. And I wanted to be able to do some teaching tonight, a little bit of preaching, but some teaching and with our young people in mind, and I hope that I could be a blessing to y'all. Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 to 8, that's what we're going to look at this evening. If you found that this evening, please say amen. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 19, you can stay seated for this. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my Lord, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet. And ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we shall abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. And they turned in unto him, and he entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the, the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only use these men, do nothing, for, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Lord, help us. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to be in your house once again. And Father, I pray, Lord, now, Lord, that you would uh, use this message, Father, tonight. I pray, Father, that you would enter me of self, fill me with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that I would deliver what you would have me deliver, say what you would have me to say, Father. And I pray, Father, Lord, that I would be that humble servant, Lord, and be used by you. I pray, Lord, that everyone under the sound of my voice, young and old, Father, that they would heed the word of God tonight, Father, and may they apply it in their own individual lives, Lord, I pray. We love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. As we travel through Genesis 18, we propose this question, what is it like to be a friend of God? And we can see that demonstrated in the life of Abraham, because he was God's friend. God came to see him with an individual appearance. Because he was God's friend, God came to see him with an instinctive accommodation. If God showed up, Abraham said, I want to make sure that he is well taken care of. If God's your friend, when he shows up, make sure that you take care of him. See, because Abraham was God's friend, God gave him an incredible announcement. Because Abraham was God's friend, he and God had an intimate affinity. And because Abraham was God's friend, they walked through, if you would, through interceding activities. See, Abraham was one on God's good grounds, and he was a friend of God. To to ask God to do a favor for somebody else on Abraham's behalf. You know that you are a friend of God when you can go to God to help somebody else for your sake. What a blessing that is to be able to have God that you can go to to ask for help. Aren't you glad that a friendship with God puts you on good speaking terms? Aren't you glad friendship with God allows you to go into his presence time after time share your importune, share the burden of your heart and know that God can nev- never goes, you met your quota uh, you maxed out your time your minutes have been expired God stood in the presence of Abraham and Abraham stood in the presence of God and he asked him if there are 50 righteous, if there are 40 righteous, if there are 30 righteous, one question after another, God stood there. God didn't leave until Abraham stopped talking. God didn't walk away until Abraham was done. I'm glad that if I can be a friend of God, that God will stay, that he will listen to me as long as I got something on my heart. What a blessing to know that we have a God that we can serve. But in chapter 19 this evening, we're not going to investigate the life of Abraham. What it's like to be a friend of God. We, on the contrary, are going to investigate the life of Lot. What is it like to be a friend of the world? See, you're going to see a big difference on being a friend of God and being a friend of the world. See, the events of chapter 18, if you would, are entirely different than the events of chapter 19. See, who's there? What's happening? What goes on? The scene in chapter 19 and the scene in chapter 18, the scenes are different. Because you got two different friends in each text. See, in eighteen you have a friend of God. And in nineteen, you have you got a friend of the world. See, in eighteen, you got Abraham. In nineteen, you, you got Lot. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a long studying theologian to find out that in eighteen Abraham, a friend of God, comes out way better than Lot, who is a friend of the world in chapter nineteen. See, we shouldn't even have to investigate the entire text to come to that conclusion. We could go around this room tonight and we can ask people to give personal testimony. And it it won't take you years. It it won't take you months. It won't even take you weeks. And perhaps it won't even take you days for any of this to come to the very serious conclusion that there's always better to be God's friend than the world's friend. Now, I want to point out something before I get into this text. I want to point out a couple things tonight. They're both Christians. I said they're both Christians. Look up here. I said they're both Christians. When I'm preaching about Abraham, a saved man in chapter 18, a lost man in chapter 19, we're not preaching about Abraham, someone that has been redeemed in Lot that someone has been unredeemed. We're not preaching about Abraham, somebody who's going to heaven in chapter 18. And we're not preaching about Lot, someone who's going to hell in chapter 19. We're not preaching about Abraham, somebody that knows God, and Lot that somebody doesn't know God. We're speaking about two people that both knew God. See, they were both righteous people. See, the New Testament in Second Peter chapter 2 um, says every first lot calls him a righteous man. See, I wanted to point that out to them because a lot of times when you're opening up the Word of God and you're teaching from the Word of God, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, people oftentimes want to separate the two. They, they want to come back and say, well, that was in the Old Testament. You know, but here in the New Testament, in Second Peter chapter 2, it says that he was a righteous man. And ladies and gentlemen, it is our proof text to all of us that you can be a child of God and a friend of the world at the same time. See, so you, you just ain't going to make out well. And, and I'm here to tell you, it didn't go well for Lot. And it ain't going to go well for you either. So you might as well get yoked up with the right person. So now let's just look at a couple of thoughts tonight. I want to give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, we see in chapter 19 some settled carnality. Some settled carnality. Preacher, what happens when I'm in front of the world? I get settled in carnality. Preacher, what do you mean he was settled? I mean he he didn't start settled. He ended up settled. See, in chapters earlier, the herdsmen of Lot couldn't get along with the herdsmen of Abraham. And then all of a sudden, they decided to separate because they couldn't get over this tension. And Abraham let Lot choose which direction he wanted to go. He looked up towards Sodom, to Sodom and he saw well-watered plains. He saw that it looked good to the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he saw what appealed to his flesh. He saw what jived with his pleasure. And he saw what fit with his worldly desires. And the Bible says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, wait a minute now. He just, he's just towards Sodom. But by the time we get to chapter 19, he's not just towards Sodom. He's in Sodom. And he settled in Sodom. You say, preacher, how did he get there? I tell you, his heart was in Sodom before his body was in Sodom. And his body had to go where his heart was. Well, preacher, I'm not settling carnality. Maybe you're not, but are you gazing at it? Has the devil enamored you with it looks good of worldliness? Are you looking at it? Sure, it looks better over there. Grass looks greener over there. It sure looks a lot more fun over there. A whole lot fewer rules over there. A whole lot strictness over there, young people. I mean if I can go over there I won't have so many people watching over me. Uh, I won't have to have so many standards over there. I, I won't have to you know, many people in my business over there. If I can just get to Sodom, it'll be a whole lot easier. It will be a whole lot less pressure, a whole lot m- less preferences and then I can make my base on my desire. That's what Lot said. But by the time he gets there, he goes from towards Sodom to end Sodom. Notice this subtle cardinality, if you would. There are some task messengers. Some task messengers. Verse number 1 of Genesis 19. Look what it says. Genesis chapter one, 19, verse number 1. And there came two what? Angels. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. These men were sent to Sodom. These are all what I call task messages. Would you flip back to Genesis chapter 18 if you would? This? hmm. Two angels came to see Lot. Hmm. Somebody say amen right there. Two angels came to see Lot. Look at Genesis 18 and verse 1. Who appeared? The Lord. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains. And then... How many showed up in, in chapter 18, verse number 2? How many? Three. It says three there. And one of them was who? God. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, how many angels showed up in chapter 19 too? God said, go on. I'm not going to make this trip. I'll go in chapter 18 because my friend is there. But I'm not going to chapter 19 because their friend is there. Well, preacher, how do I know if I'm a friend of the world when God is uncomfortable visiting you? Why didn't God make this journey? Because Sodom wasn't a comfortable hangout spot for the Lord. My friend of the world, is God comfortable in your car? Is God comfortable in your house? Is God comfortable in your social media? Is God comfortable at your job? Is God comfortable in your bedroom? Is God comfortable in your conversation? Is God comfortable in your thought life? Is God comfortable in your giving? Is God comfortable in your habits? Well, preacher, I don't really, don't want to get into that. That's my business. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but the best visit I ever had were the visits from the Almighty God. And I never want to be in a place where God says, angels, you go and you do my bidding, not me. Task messengers. In Genesis chapter 18, God went himself to see his friend. In Genesis 19, God sent angels to go where he wouldn't go because the friends was a friend of the world. Task messengers. Notice also, if you would, a timed moment. At evening, turn back, turn back with me, if you will, to chapter 18, if you would. And in 18, he says, at evening, turn, and in 19, they show up to see Lot in the evening time. In chapter 18, God showed up to see Abraham in verse number 1, in the heat of the day. In the heat of the day, somebody help me preach. If we're going to go to see Lot, we better go see him at night. Uh, but we can, we can go see Abraham in the middle of the day. Watch this now. It doesn't matter in the heat of the day. I can show up and see my friend because I know I'm not going to walk in on no mess. But at night, he showed up to see Lot. Lot, I don't want to come in to the heat of the night. I don't want to come in the middle of the day or night. I want to send my messengers to come find you at evening time. Men love darkness rather than night, don't they? Because the days are evil. Notice the telling mode of Lot. It tells a lot of what mode he was in when they came to see him. Chapter 19, and Lot sat where? At the gate. Hmm. Lot is a paid official now remember chapter 13 he's with his uncle they're rich they're blessed God is moving God is working and in chapter 14 God says walk northward walk westward walk eastward Abram far as the sands and the seas and the stars in the sky I'm going to bless you and multiply you listen to me that happened in chapter 14 Lot wanted to leave in chapter 13 he missed the blessing by one chapter And now we're from chapter 13 to chapter 19, and he's sitting at the gate. He's receiving revenue. He has a promotion. He's on the devil's payroll. Watch this now. Save man. Getting paid by the devil. That's a telling mode right there. How many Christians are commonly found sitting in the world's seats? See, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth, nor you see the digression? See, you walk around somebody long enough, you'll start standing with them. You stand around somebody long enough, you'll start sitting with them. It's a digression, it's not a progression, it's a digression, it's not a progression, it's a regression. It's not a progression, it's a backwards, not forwards, it's backwards. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Young people, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Are you listening to me tonight? Jeremiah said, my eye have affected my heart. Yeah, then that was a good thing, but it was a bad thing for Lot. He looked at something long enough until he wanted it. David looked. If David had quit looking, he wouldn't have sent for Bathsheba. Come on. But his eyes affected his heart. He looked at something he shouldn't have been looking at. Then he wanted something that he shouldn't have wanted. Then he took something that wasn't his. Come on now. Then he hid it. Then he destroyed her husband. Then he lived in sin for nine months until the man of God had to put an analogy in front of his face that made David mad. That a man with a bunch of sheep had to steal a sheep from a man that had only one sheep. Nathan looked at him and said, thou art the man. Sin blinds your logic. Hmm, the telling mode of Lot. He's sitting at the gate. Look, if you would, at what I call he has some thoughtful manners. He has some thoughtful manners. He bowed himself with his face to the ground. Look at chapter 18, verse number 2. No, I'm sorry. Verse, chapter 19, verse number 2. And he said, Behold now, my Lord, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. Now look at chapter 18. How was God met? Look at it, verse number 3. And he said, My Lord... If now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort you in your hearts. After that, ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. Now watch this now. God showed up with two angels to meet his friend in chapter 18. His friend immediately made accommodations for him. And after he made accommodations for God, God responded with, So do as though thou hast said. Now the angels show up to meet the friend of the world. And he said in chapter 19, they said, no, we'll go. That's what they said in verse 2. We'll go. <laughs> Thoughtful manners. But he had what I called a turbulent mindset. A turbulent mindset. See, Abraham said, wait a minute, I'll run and I'll get you something. You remember the story? We talk about Abraham being 90 years old, running around, picking up a lamb, running back and forth, and doing these things. He wanted to make sure that God was taken care of. Now look at Lot, getting in here quickly. I'm paraphrasing this. Get in here, turn in Terry all night, rise up early, and go your way. Did you hear that? Stay, get in here fast, spend the whole night, and get out of here early. Now, Abraham says, wait, right here, let me go get you something. Uh, let me get you some water. Let me take care of you. Hey, servants, get me the best lamb. Hey, Sarah, let's fix the best stuff. We got God here. He came to visit us. Lot says to the angels, get in my house fast. Stay all night. Leave early in the morning. See, one says, stay because I love you. You're a friend that came to see me. The other one says, the angels are here. I can't afford them to see how I live out here in these streets. So get in the house fast so you can see how what they're doing down here in Sodom and get out of here quickly in the morning so I can hide my lifestyle from you. See, that's what I call turbulent. See, lots restless right now. You ever have somebody show up you didn't want to show up? And you know what you do? You want to move them quickly, huh? When they start gravitating towards things in your house you don't want them to see, you, re, re, you reject them. you you're like, go this way. Hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. Hey, let, let me show you this. It's not that you really want to show them something. You just didn't want them to see that. <laughs> see, come, come here, come here quick. Hey, they, they came at night, but at night, anything can happen in Sodom. Come on now. By the way, in America at night, anything can happen. See, they, there ain't much good happening late at night. Christian folk need to be in the house at night. And I'm not just talking about young people. I'm talking about all people. See, I mean, some people work at night. I, I get that. I understand that. And, and some people have to travel at night. I understand that. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm talking about people who think they're missing something, giving the streets up at night. You know, I, I got to hang out late. Uh, you know, young people, your parents give you a curfew and they say, listen, make sure you're in at this time. And then it's getting close to that time, and then you're like, can I stay a little bit 30 minutes later? You're not missing out on anything. Listen, go to bed at night and work during the day. See, I must work the works that sent me while it's day. Jesus said, the night cometh when no man can work. Hey, it's time to do God's work during the day, and it's time to rest. Get in the house, get in the house. Angels, angels, angels. You think Lot was all happy to see them? No. Lot got up off that seat as soon as they came because he said, I need to get them out of this area as quick as I can. You know what I'm simply saying? When God sends his messengers on you, when you don't want them to be there, you move them out quickly. Oh, he's giving them manners all right. He's feeding them sometimes, and and he's taking care of them. Um, He's treating them the best that he can, but is he really treating them the best? See, Abraham treated God properly in chapter 18 because he loved God. And Lot treated the angels properly in chapter 19 because he didn't want them in, in on his business. See, let me ask you a question. What's your motive for good manners? See, people raise their hand in church all the time, but it might not be for the right reason. I mean, people smile because they go to the altar. I mean, people shout, but it could be hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why? I don't want him in on these corridors. I don't need him to go down that hallway. Hear my shout and avoid my thoughts. Hear my praise and avoid my habits. Look at my Sunday morning, don't check out my Saturday night. That's Lot. What, what a sad thing. He's, he had a generous invitation. Uh, he had a gracious insistence. But, but, if he, but he had, if you would, a genuine intent. Get them out of the street very quickly. Got about 10 more minutes here. There was not only a subtle carnality and a life In the front of the world. But secondly, there was a sinful climate. See, the angels are in the house, and Lot is rushing them in to get them to bed, to get them to sleep, so you miss what's going on in Sodom at night. Huh? Watch it, young people. Watch it when you try to rush your parents out of your room. Watch it when you try to run godly people away from your business. And meanwhile, as much as you're trying to rush them, before they could even lay down, verse number four, look with me, if you will, in Genesis chapter 19. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Hmm. I don't have a lot of time to get in this tonight because I want to get into it like I want to. But I would tell you this, I was in the barber shop about the other week and I was talking to my barber and some of the other folks that were in there, and we were lamenting over the sweeping prevalence in our society amongst young people when it comes to homosexuality. And it's become a trend. I said it's become a trend. I mean these little cute girls hanging all over each other, And these boys hanging on each other, and it becomes a trend. It becomes a giggling matter, and it's not a giggling matter. I'm not talking about being ugly uh, to anybody. I'm talking about being honest about the truth. Well, preacher, I just don't understand this spirit. Somebody said to me, I think it's a spirit. You can call it whatever you want to call it. It's sin. And it breaks my heart that it's sweeping across our young people. Well, I don't want to defile this theory, but we're only in the 19th chapter in the Bible. And young people were into it. So desperate for their desires and and so passionate about their immorality that they were begging for the angels. And And we're here in the United States of America and it seems like both young and old, they are surrounding everywhere begging for sin. That's why you can't afford to be a friend of the world. Because even if you don't intend to indulge in what they're indulging in, it's going to touch you. See, we never find one time in Scripture where Lot was advocate of homosexuality, but we find he was the target of it. And to avoid it, if he was willing to prostitute his daughters, you go ahead, let the devil play you, let the devil con you, tell you that, hey, it's a better stuff over here, it's greener grass over here, we got cheaper seats over here, he's got more fun games, he's got fewer restrictions, come on, he's got more parties, he's got more general preaching, and he's got more choices when it comes to music, many more options when it comes to leisures. and they have you singing and making you think that it's fun. And I thought about this. We got YouTube, we got TikTok, (laughs) we already had Facebook, and we got all these social media things going on, and the young people even some young adults. Everybody's out there in this craze, and the TikTok is what gets me. I'll tell you why the TikTok gets me, and I'm just going to just tell you the truth. See, because what the TikTok does, it draws you in. And it's like, hey, listen, you got to try this new craze, and then they get everybody in on this craze, and we got to try this, and then we got to post it. Do you think... It's not going to be fun. They got to make it fun. See, Lot went to Sodom. And like I said, he wasn't an advocate for homosexuality, but it touched his family. And then what happens is we get this thing and we start playing with it and we're like, oh, it's just fun. There's nothing wrong with it. And then before you know it, you got everybody doing it. Watch me whip, and watch me nay-nay, and watch me whip, and watch me nay-nay, uh-huh. And we laugh at it. Show me the stinky leg, Uh uh-huh. And then we're like, but we're laughing at it. That's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to laugh at it. And you laugh at it and think it's all fun, and you have all the right intentions of saying, oh, I'm just having a good time. Yeah, exactly. And you're saying, listen, I'm not inside them, but you're gazing at it. You might not be in there, but you got your binoculars on. You got your phone at, look, look who posted this. Did you see that? And then when the man of God gets in the pulpit and he's trying to preach the word of God and he's trying to tell you, listen, be careful. And you're like, oh, come on, preacher, it is not that bad. Let me ask you a question. Do you spend as much time in the Bible that you do on your social media accounts? Because if you did, you would see what I said. This is only Genesis chapter 19. And we got so much more to go. And they were already into it. And there's a lot. (laughs) Lord, help us. sinful climate, (laughs) swing it, it ain't built for you, but you don't belong, they don't speak our language. I said they don't speak our language, they don't think our ideology, they don't espouse our philosophy, they don't play by our rules, they're not indwelt by our Holy Ghost, they're not headed to our heaven, they don't know our God, they don't understand what I understand, they're not us. And we're not them. So with God's grace, they can be us though. And by God's power, we don't have to be them. By the way, if we are saved, we'll never be them. And if we're not them, then we shouldn't be them's friends. And I'm not preaching against trying to befriend somebody that is not saved by giving them the gospel. See, that's where we get confused too. We get that too. We're like, listen, what, you're trying to say that I can't be friends with somebody unsaved? Let me ask you a question. Are you being friends with them because you're trying to lead them to the Lord? When's the last time you shared the gospel with them or you're just being friends with them because you're just hanging out and now you're using it as an excuse to say, hey, what's the... Because that's what it is. See, there's nothing wrong with befriending somebody and trying to get them to God. Because see, here's the thing. You got to understand something. (laughs) And we know this. You get a bunch of fruit. You put one bad fruit in it. When can you tell me any times you saw that bad fruit become ripe again. No, it spoils everything else. So you got to take it out. So if you want to befriend somebody and and you want to to lead them to the Lord, invite them to your environment. Don't go to theirs, because all it's going to do is spoil you. See? You can disdain every narrow-minded Christian for being old-fashioned, outdated, mundane, out of style, stale, away with the times, with this old-fashioned stuff that nobody espouses to. But I'm here to tell you, when you're throwing your daughters to the wolves because you're too worried about the devil messing with God's stuff, you'll wish you would have stayed home. See, so anybody look out the window, and you may not be inside them, but... You got the binoculars looking. And and nowadays, you don't have to go close to Sodom to see it. You can just click on a website and get a virtual tour of Sodom. The views can be so great you feel like you were there. You don't even have to leave your home. You can just click on them and bring it to your house. Next thing you know, you're pitching your tent towards Sodom. Next thing you know, you're in Sodom. Next thing you know, you're getting your paycheck from Sodom. But you don't want to burn with them, though. See, I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about destruction because what goes up must come down. Unless you're connected to God because God is up and he has always been up. And he don't have to come down. See, God is giving us a vivid contrast in chapter 18 here of the difference of being a friend of God and a friend of the world. I'm not even through this message, but haven't you already concluded that it's better? I mean, it ain't even close to be a friend of God than it is a friend of the world. Okay, preacher, absolutely. I would rather be a friend of God than a friend of the world. Then do me a favor, before next Sunday, before Monday comes, before you go to bed tonight, if you'd rather be a friend of God than a friend of the world, get closer to God tonight. And unfriend some worldliness. See, because we got to quit all that talking about, hey, I'm, I'm going to do better. and I'm going to get rid of this stuff. Well, I want to be closer to God. You can't get closer to God and be a friend of the world. So go home and unfriend some stuff tonight and some folks tonight and some practices tonight and some places. Yeah, I'm I'm saying quit some things that is paying you with the worldly stuff. Sign up to be on Jesus' team tonight. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of talk. And Lot knew how to talk it better than anybody. See, he knew how to put on that spirituality when the angels showed up, got him fixing stuff, got him running around, got him hospitality, got him laying down. Boy, if I could get them to sleep fast, they won't find out what goes on in a typical night in Sodom. They didn't let the angels lay down before they start banging on the door. That's how insatiable the world is. They don't care about your Christianity. Uh, They're not going to accommodate you. See, I'm a Christian. Sorry, I'm at this party. I shouldn't be at this party. Could you please turn it down just a little bit? (laughs) we're not turning it down for you. You shouldn't have come here. Sodom ain't going to turn the music down for you. If you want music low, then go to Sodom. Uh, But don't try to take your Christianity rules into Sodom. It'll never work. See, you you want to go God's way, then do it. But do it in God's place. And that means being a friend of God and not a friend of the world. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your word tonight. Lord, I ask now, Lord, that you would use the word of God in the hearts of this preacher, of this preacher's family, of those under the sound of my voice tonight, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that I was obedient to you tonight, Father, and I shared what you wanted me to share. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that it would sink deep into our hearts, And Father, may we be an advocate of you and not of the world. We love you in Jesus' precious name.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.